listening to Unscripted, the film show on... You can't handle the truth! Man, I'm walking here! I'm walking here! Here's Johnny! You're gonna need a bigger boat. I'll have what she's having. Wanna hear the most annoying sound in the world? Welcome to Unscripted, the film show. Thanks for joining us. Not that we need any introduction <laughs> here. No, <laughs> we do. I'm Cecilia and Lewis is also in the studio uh, across from me. How Mo- are you? Mostly. 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 I'm, I'm a bit knackered. You are a bit tired. Yeah. You've had a few full-on days at work, travelling, doing all of that sort of thing. So thankfully <laughs> it is almost the end of the week. Uh, which means, well, for most people, well, some people sleep in. So true, true, yes. Yeah, set yourself some time <laughs> to, to have a nap and sleep in and enjoy the weekend. I kind of two minds tomorrow because I'm uh, pushing myself to get back to the gym uh, mm. because I must admit that over the winter time I really slackened up and uh, did not go to the gym as much as I should have done. And so I've got back into the gym and I've been you know, lifting weights and walking on the treadmill and doing all that kind of stuff. Uh, but uh, the last two days I've gone down to Bunbury and so that meant, yeah, there's no time for the gym in the morning. So tomorrow morning uh, it's like I've got a meeting at 8 o'clock and it's like, oh, can I fit in going to the gym before that? I think I can. I think I can do that. I think what can get you through it is knowing that it's a Friday. Yeah. So you can be like, okay, it's Friday, I can do this and I think that will get you through. Yeah, yeah, no, it should, it should be good. But, but I went down to Bunbury and came back up because uh, I obviously um, uh, Eternals came out this week yes. and I couldn't, obviously I've got to see all Marvel films uh, on, on or before the opening <laughs> night. Um, and uh, so, yeah, last night uh, Kat and I went and saw it at, um, at the Carousel at the Lux Cinema and uh, it, it, was, it was really good. But I will, I will talk about that in more, more depth uh, as we get uh, deeper into the show. Yes, I'm looking forward to hearing that, uh, hearing your review on that one. It did pop out of nowhere for me, but you would have been, uh, com- you know, keeping tabs on it for sure. It's, in, it's an interesting one though because generally speaking with all the Marvel films, I pretty much have an idea of who the characters are and their history and those kind of things. Mm. Eternals are one of those teams of characters who I've just never really shown an interest in. So I don't really didn't really know any of the characters in this movie. So it was like me watching a Marvel film uh, in the same way that most people watch Marvel films where they don't know who the characters are. So yes. it was... Welcome uh, to my world. Yeah. That's my viewing experience <laughs> all the time with Marvel films. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, big show. We Well, not overly big, but we do have a couple of things to touch on. Uh, Eternals is obviously one of mm-hmm. them, the big release of this week. We've also got the British and Italian film festivals. Uh, in addition to a new documentary called Julia, all about... The the legendary cook, Julia Child, most well-known for the TV show The French Chef that premiered in 1963. I knew nothing about Julia Child prior to seeing this documentary. Uh, did you know anything about Julia Child? The only thing I knew was that uh, Dan Aykroyd sketch where he cuts his finger and bleeds profusely. Um, and that was all I knew. I, I knew Julia Child was a uh, like one of the first celebrity chefs. But, yeah, I did not know very much more about her than know what she looks like and, and uh, what she sounded like. She's a very interesting character, so that will make for uh, an interesting conversation when we finally get to that uh, part of the show. 
We usually start out with a bit of film news. I think the only thing that I can think of is that uh, James Bond No Time to Die is it's finally getting its release <laughs> next week. Yes. <laughs> finally, after so long. But the good, the good thing is I haven't had it spoiled for me because it's been out in the UK for quite a while. True. And it's been released in America, but yet... We still haven't had it spoiled for us, which is a very good thing, I think. It is good. But I, for me, it's all worn off. I was excited to see this film. I don't think I'm really excited anymore. I don't really care. <laughs> I think it's just the wait. It's just been too long. <laughs> so I'm like, uh, meh, whatever, whatever. But uh, June is also going to be out soon. And they're already gearing up for the second one, mm. believe ha- it or not. Have you seen the original June? No, I've seen – when I used to work in a video shop, I remember seeing the cover all the time. I feel like I've probably seen it at some point in my life where my dad watched mm-hmm. it and I was just, you know, hanging out too. But he's he loves it, so he's excited to see it. But I've not – have you seen the original? I don't think so. And, and probably as a sci-fi person and as a, a, a film person, that's probably a bad thing to say. But, uh, no, yes. I don't don't recall ever seeing it. You also say that you dislike 2001 The Space Odyssey, which is a bad thing for any film critic to say, although I don't really like it all that much either. Yeah. So you know what? Who cares? Do you you know, uh, when I was down in Bunbury today, uh, I went down this street and I had to do a U-turn and I pulled into this, uh, like, car park and I went, those colours look familiar and it was a a Civic video. Like, it was closed, obviously. There was no no videos in there or anything (laughs) like that. But it was, yeah, it had been closed and nothing had been done with it. So So the building is still there. Yes. Nothing in it. Wow, so that would have been a few years ago at least that it closed and no one's decided to to rent out the building or anything. It it was like a a shell of its former self. It was just a ghost building. Where I used to work, I drove past a couple of weeks ago and I've known this for a while but there was a bottle next to that's so Australian uh, a <laughs> bottle a bottle shop liquor store whatever you like to call it right next to it and they had literally not leased out the building they had just like taken out the wall and made the liquor store even bigger <laughs> <laughs> so that's where I used to um work but hey whatever but uh yeah no uh, it would be so cool to still have a video store around, but unfortunately mm. it has ceased to exist as well as you can't really just buy DVD players or Blu-rays easily anymore. I remember you used to walk into Big Derby or Kmart mm. or other generic stores and just be able to buy one. Nowadays you've got to go to an electronics store. I know. I feel like stocking up on them just to be on the safe Same, side. <laughs> because eventually they will... I just worry about what about all those DVDs I own? Where am I going to be able to play them in the future? I mean, it's just a terrible thought, really, because you can't always get what you want on streaming. Or it'll be on streaming and then it's gone. Or it's on streaming and it's had things taken out of it. Yes. And uh, that's that's not good. Um, The... Uh, the, uh, like videos, uh, they're saying like you know if you've got uh, videos that you you got to get those transferred into some sort of digital format mm-hmm. because the actual tape will break break down. And they're saying that most videos won't be around by twenty fifty. They'll just you know not be usable. I don't like the thought of that mm. at all. That's very frightening to me. It mm. is. It is not good at all. Any other news that you you can think of that we need to share with our with our listeners? I didn't do any research before I came into the show, so... 
I, um, well, I think the best news of the week was that uh, that uh, little girl Cleo was, was oh, found. How good was how that? How wonderful is that? Not even film related, but no. just absolutely wonderful that it's great that we can all share that. And I think the day we all found out, smiles all around. Yeah. Everyone that you come across. Have you heard the news? Yes. So, oh, so delightful. Because I, I, I just got to go to the toilet at four in the, four in the morning. And uh, and I just saw it. Like I just went, oh my god, that's that's oh amazing. <laughs> You're listening to Unscripted, the film show. Eternals, the biggest release of the week, you could argue. Uh, Lewis, you're certainly arguing that, I'm sure. <laughs> There's not many releases, so we do have to take what we can get. I don't know. I think they're, they're, like, they're, they're doing a bit of stacks on because we've we had uh, such a long time of uh, nothing. nothing being released here in Australia because uh, obviously you know, Sydney and Melbourne were shut down and, and they're the biggest you know, market for film in, in, in Australia. So it made no sense to, to put any films out there. So they just said, no, 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 we'll just hold back these releases. That, that's why we didn't get Venom... Uh, June or um, uh, or uh, No Time to Die. That's true. Uh, but now it's like, as I said, stacks on. We've got uh, Eternals this week, June and James Bond next week, mm-hmm. and then a week or so after that we've got uh, Venom Let There Be Carnage. So yeah. I think we're going to see them just go dush, 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 yeah. dush, dush now. Definitely. And it's the right time of the year as well. But interestingly, I've just had a look, but Eternals is directed by a female director, Chloe Zhao, who some people will remember for the film Nomad Land with Frances McDormand, which was a huge success, a really great independent film about a lady who is really living off the land when the small town that she's in, the industrial kind of community it just becomes a ghost town and she has to really live off the land and and find her own way. So that's a really great film. So I'm excited to see how this film turned out. Yeah, because this is such a departure. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, Nomadland was, uh, you know... uh, a lower low budget film um there were some people in there who weren't actually even actors they were just actually people in um uh, you know caravan parks yes no nomads yeah uh, people yeah. who live off the land and just kind of yeah do that thing so yeah absolutely uh, that that was a great film so it, this this film though is like there's these people that have been around for for centuries um they were sent to uh, earth by a celestial and the they're basically uh, given the um task of protecting the earth but protecting the earth from uh creatures called the deviants okay um now that is all they can can do they just they've got to help humanity to progress and to evolve but they aren't to interfere so if there's wars within humanity they can't interfere with that um if there's you know extraterrestrials coming to to take us out they can't interfere with that the only thing they can do is take out these deviants Mm -hmm. um and the 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 group is uh is made up as i think it's actually like the the most kind of star-studded cast of a Marvel film because generally speaking, uh, with the exception, I guess, of like, you know, Robert Downey Jr. and um, I guess Benedict Cumberbatch, like most of the, char- the the actors in the Marvel films, they weren't massive names before becoming Marvel actors. Mm-hmm. Certainly being Marvel actors has, you know, helped the careers of Chris Hemsworth, Chris Evans, 
Chris Pratt. Um, just, you know, if your name's Chris, it's helped you out, is what I'm saying. Um, but this film, The Eternals, I mean, you've got Angelina Jolie, uh, you've got Richard Madden and Kit Harrington, both from Game of Thrones. Uh, you've got uh, Selma Hayek, who wow. everyone knows who Selma Hayek is. Uh, Camille Nanjani. I mean, who hasn't watched you know, Harold and Kumar? Come on, seriously. Um, and, uh, you know, it, there's yeah, quite a few faces that you're going to recognise uh, in, in this movie. Um, but, the, uh, yeah, so the, the core Eternals, you've got Angelina Jolie playing Thena, uh, Richard Madden playing Icarus, uh, Gemma Chan playing Cersei. And here's the thing I find really quite funny because you've got Richard Madden and Kit Harrington, who were both from Game of Thrones. They were both, for all intents and purposes, Starks because uh, Richard Madden was Rob Stark mm-hmm. and Kit Harrington was uh, Jon Snow, uh, which was a the bastard child of uh, Ned Stark. Ah, so, nice link. Yeah. Now, in um, in Game of Thrones, the evil queen is called Cersei Lannister. And so in this film, both uh, Icarus and Kit Harrington's character uh, of Dane are the love interest of Cersei. So they both at different points in this film say, I love you, Cersei, which is kind of funny. <laughs> I was just, wow. I was just wondering if they cast those two guys in those roles as a massive in-joke. <laughs> wow. Yes. Or it's just a, a very interesting connection. Yeah. Uh, um, Selma Hayek plays Ajak and Ajak is like the leader of the uh, the Eternals mm-hmm. and she's the one that's the, the conduit between the Eternals and the celestial being who's taking them to Earth and so she's the one that's getting all the instructions on what they're supposed to be doing. Um you know, Don Lee, who plays Gilgamesh, and he's kind of like the powerhouse of the group. Uh, well, actually, I, I guess like Angelina Jolie is a, a kind of a warrior, Wonder Woman kind of character. Uh, Richard Madden is a Superman character. He can fly. He's got super strength. He can shoot um, heat vision out of his eyes. Um, Kit Harrington is just a guy who's going out with uh, Cersei, but there just is there, there's more to his story. But uh, you'll have to go to the film to see that. Uh, Gemma Chan is uh, is Cersei. Uh, and her powers are like she can transmute things from one element to another. So metal to wood, wood to metal, that sort Ooh, of thing. Um, Selma Hayek's character can heal um, heal herself and heal other people. Uh, Don Lee is like the powerhouse of the group. Uh, uh, Kamal Ninjani can shoot stuff out of his hands. Uh, ben uh, Kiohan plays Druig and he um, can take over people's minds and get them to do what he wants them to do. Uh, then you've got Leah McHugh and she plays Sprite and she can do illusions and, uh, you know, very, very realistic illusions. Uh, and Lauren Riddleoff is uh, Makari, who is a speedster. And Brian Therese Henry plays Fasto, who is like their tech guy. So you can see there's a massive cast of characters and I remember back in the day when you know we had the first Batman film and it was Batman and it was a Joker and we went that was great and then the second one was Batman and the Penguin and Catwoman you went yeah that's great that's great and yeah. then the next one was uh you know Batman and they introduced uh you know Robin into it and then they in, they had the Joker no not sorry, not Joker. they had Two-Face and they had the Riddler and they had it just like there were so many characters going how there's too many characters that's why it's bad there's too many characters <laughs> but it's it's not it's just like you know, you can have a lot of characters 
But as long as you have a good story to go with the characters and you've got good direction, then you can still have a good film regardless of how many characters you've got to service. But they, they did a great job of... Because all these characters you're introducing for the first time. Yes. You've got to, uh, people have got to understand the character. They've got to understand their motivation. They've got to understand where they, where they come from. Now, the Eternals have been around for, for centuries. And so part of the film takes place in the present day and part of it takes place uh, in the past in different kind of uh, eras. Um, and it's all of them, you know, taking on the, uh, the deviants and, and, and that sort of thing. But it's, it's a really great story the way it's told because it's non-linear because sometimes you're in the present, then you flash back to the past and you're back to the present. Um, it's a real story that kind of, you know, it's like um, a, a, a game of pass the parcel where uh, you're constantly getting another layer taken off and it's unwrapping and the story's evolving. So for me, I thought it was, it was very clever storytelling. Um, the story in the, the, the movie is a like an ethical dilemma at the end of the day but it's uh just beautifully shot it's got some great cinematography uh it's fantastic design like sometimes when you've got a a monster kind of creature they can get lazy with the monster and just Mm. have them all look the same whereas in this they've got some really nice designs of the of the creatures um and yeah it's just it's great uh the I i just think the um the actors just embrace their parts um, and it's a very, very diverse cast as well um, and there's some first in this for a Marvel film as well. There's, um, uh, no, I'm not going to tell you what first they are. I think you should go and see the film and you can see if you can figure oh. out what first they are. Oh, keep it all from us. It sounds like a really interesting film and when you throw the word kind of moral, ethical dilemma around that always presents an interesting uh film for me so i quite like the idea of that but yeah really diverse cast i just had a look at the cast list it's it's huge but uh as long as you can follow the stories of each of those individuals and not be too confused which i think marvel does quite well they Mm. do generally or these days have big casts so you do manage to follow stories and then they do all the little origin stories so i wonder if we'll see a i'm sure we'll see a sequel to eternals or what do you think or is that something we've got to figure out for ourselves well that's the thing with um uh, any marvel film it's all it's always part of a bigger picture yes um so yeah definitely i think um uh we will we'll see these actors again um but yeah i was just really impressed the like angelina jolie like is a massive actor and but she wasn't like the the limelight she wasn't taking the 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 key position Mm -hmm. she was part of the ensemble and and that's the thing that's what makes this movie work is that you haven't got like you know one lead in this film it's everyone's working together um to to make a good film is it the best marvel film no but it is certainly uh an interesting uh take on the marvel material and it's like any other marvel film it's got its own feeling uh but it's still part of that cohesive whole mm-hmm. um and like every marvel film uh well most marvel films it's also got some cut scenes at the end yes. so Stay. um <laughs> i know that there is a lot of fans of a certain actor who used to be in a certain boy band oh <laughs> that is so ambiguous yeah. i'm thinking potentially one direction should i say no more or should Maybe. Uh, well, no, you, you can say lower. It'll it'll increase ticket sales. But um, so if you're a fan of Harry Styles, ah, 
<laughs> I was right. I thought so. Yeah, then then uh, this film uh, might be for you. But don't be going there uh, to, to watch this film thinking that Harry Styles is going to be all the way throughout it. Uh, he, he is going to be in the film, but he's going to be uh, at the end of the film uh, and you'll have to wait for the credits to roll. And it's, don't... don't the still baffles me why people leave a Marvel film before the credits finish rolling. How stupid are you? I do sometimes, but it's only if I really need to pee, yeah. like really quickly, what? or I'm trying to beat the rush. But I've only ever done it a few times. So, so. what you do is, what you do is, you stay because usually you got the first lot of credits where they they're like really ornate. They've got like a oh, so you go then and then you rush back. You could do that if you if you're really quick. You could do it then. Yeah. Because usually you have that first bit of uh, credits and then you have uh, the first cutscene. You do. And then you've got the ones where they scroll. Yes. And then that's where like if you need to go number twos you go go to town you do it then <laughs> that that's all good um and then you can come back and then you you watch the final um yeah, cutscene at the end yeah so um, marvel give you more movie for your dollar so you know don't don't be wasting those dollars it's like an encore Ex- they always come back exactly but we do know harry styles can act he was in dunkirk mm-hmm. he did a great job in dunkirk so i mean not that he's in this film but if he's in a potential scene at the end, it could mean that he's in future films. Exactly. So exactly. if you are a fan of Harry's, and I'm not a fan, even though I sound like I might be, but I'm actually not. Huh? But I think he's a good actor. Well, I think he's I think he's a good actor, but I'm a fan of the character he's playing. So, ah, um, and he. And also that cutscene introduces another Marvel character into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes. Uh, and right. uh, you'll have to go and, and watch the film to find out who that is. If you could compare this to another Marvel film to, I suppose, entice people, is there one that's similar or is it very different and kind of feels very on its own? It's, it's, it's very it's, – it's closest to a Earth-based Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay. But – not as like it's not a fun ride like mm-hmm. it's not joyful the whole time yeah. there's more of a somber tone to this film and it's got some really high stakes like um your yeah, end game had very high high stakes but uh for earth this particular movie has the highest stakes of any marvel film so far right and is it set anywhere in the – have you already covered off where it's set in the Marvel timeline or it, is it even – It's – okay, so this is set after Endgame. After Endgame. Yeah. Perfect. I just like to – I like to to learn a little bit about this stuff. But uh, Eternals, it's in cinemas well, it's, now. It's set after Endgame and then centuries before Endgame because you've yeah. got the <laughs> – Right. No, now I need the chart. Yeah. Get the chart out. Um, uh. But, yeah, it's uh, – yeah, it, it's it's very, very enjoyable and uh, I, I look forward to seeing more Eternals. And, uh, yes, yeah, thank you very much to Jack Kirby, the creator of the Eternals. I'm uh, eternally grateful for him making them. So uh, I am going to give uh, this film four marbly type things. Marbly yeah. type things. Excellent. Eternals, it's in cinemas now. Go check it out. Tell us what you think. You're listening to Unscripted, the film show. The British Film Festival is screening still, runs through to December 1st and you can visit britishfilmfestival.com.au for all the films. Uh, Rachel and Lewis covered off uh, on quite a few a couple of weeks ago, which is fantastic. And I believe Rachel did speak about a film called Boiling Point, which I've also seen. So I just wanted to share my 
thoughts about that film. Uh, It's a film, well, for those who may not have listened, I will synopsise it a little bit so you do know what it's about, but it is screening as part of the British Film Festival, which is in its ninth year this year. So this is a film which takes place over the course of one evening in a very busy London restaurant and it primarily centres around head chef Andy, played by Stephen Graham, who I would say is a little bit of a dialed-down Gordon Ramsay. He's not quite as extreme or angry, but he... He is a bit rough, I suppose, and can be a little bit mean uh, to his staff. And he's really responsible for this restaurant and diffusing this tension between management and the crew and customers throughout the the night. And there's a couple of other bits and pieces that crop up during this, this evening as well, which he needs to deal with. And you find out that a lot of his staff, as well as himself, are all kind of dealing with these personal issues that come into the workplace. So we he- see how that really affects that. Nobody likes people to bring in personal things uh, to the workplace. It can be a bit, uh, bit messy. Yes. So keep them, keep them at home <laughs> if you can. Uh, well, so Pick if it's a dog. Like you don't bring your dog into the uh, in the kitchen. No, that's, that's right. Yeah. When I first started watching the film, um, it took me a little while to get invested in the actual story. But what I really did like was the way that the camera uh, kind of kept pace with that of a really busy restaurant. So it was following around the waiters and the crew as they weaved their way through. And restaurants, I guess when you're sitting down and enjoying a meal, you sometimes forget that behind the scenes... The kitchen's quite a fast-paced, stressful environment and I just, I've I've never wanted to work at a restaurant, that's for sure. Mm, mm. Yeah, it just seems like it would be quite chaotic in the kitchen or there's this organised chaos. So I really enjoyed the the way that the the camera did its thing in this. So, yeah, it's quite an interesting story, even if the you don't get quite invested in the actual narrative itself or the screenplay, it's still a good watch for the, the camera work. I think that's what really did it here. So I'm going to score this uh, three and a half peanut allergies. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> is that there's a point in the film, is it? There is a point in the film yeah. where someone has a peanut allergy. Um, did- there's this um, a bar in Fremantle called Darling Darling Ooh. and it's a great uh, – it's tiny. Uh, you probably – I don't know how many people can fit in there. Very, very tiny bar. Yep. Um, uh, only lit by candles. So it's only candlelight that's uh, giving any light in there. Oh, wow. Uh, and they um, have peanuts, like shell uh, peanuts that you can just eat the peanuts and you drop the shells on the floor. So it's a great place to go, but don't go if you've got a peanut allergy. Yeah, that sounds dangerous. <laughs> oh, what if you trip on the, the peanuts? No, no, it's fine. I, I, don't, I, feel, I would feel really rude throwing down peanuts on the floor. Nah, it's part of the fun. Did, yeah, you, did you ever go to Lone Star? When well, I've heard, no, but I've heard about Lone Star yeah. and that used to be a thing there, right? But then didn't mm. they stop doing it? And then yeah. maybe they've bought it back? I'm not sure. I just feel that is so rude. I'm the kind <laughs> of person, right, when I go to a restaurant and someone brings me the wrong order, 
I apologise. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm like, oh, I'm really sorry. I obviously wasn't clear enough or like maybe I forgot to mention. So I will generally just eat whatever they've given me. I'm that kind of person. So I'm not going to be throwing no peanuts on the floor. Well, I'm hoping that if somebody comes and gives you a steak, you're not going to eat that because you're a vegetarian. That is true. I probably wouldn't um, <laughs> wouldn't eat a steak if someone served it to me, but I would be very reluctant in saying, oh, sorry, this is not quite the right order. So I would be a little bit worried about doing that. Uh, another film festival that's showing is also the Italian Film Festival screening. We spoke about that briefly last week. I did manage to catch uh, a bit of another film this week, but not quite the whole thing. So I don't want to say whether or not I like to film that I haven't actually watched the, the whole lot off. So I might give that a proper review next week. Uh, but it is screening right through until uh, December 12th as well. So plenty of films to uh, see uh, over the next few months. And another film is Julia, which is a documentary that paints us a portrait of who Julia Child was, uh, including her time in the Office of Strategic Services during World War II. And that's where she met her husband, Paul. And interestingly, Julia Child's quite a large woman, 6'5", I believe she yeah. stood out. And Paul was probably an average-sized man but looked quite small against her, mm. uh, which is not a problem. But um, they just seemed very like a very interesting couple, that's for sure. And the, the two eventually moved to France and that's where Julia discovers her love of French cooking mm. particularly. And this was at a time when the kitchen was really dominated by men. You would walk into these schools, these cooking schools, and it was all men. So... It was at a time... Because the woman, women couldn't obviously pick up pans. They're too heavy. They were far too yeah. heavy for, for women to pick up. And she, yeah, she really discovers her love for this and it eventually leads her to start writing this cookbook which is called Mastering the Art of French Cooking. This leads her to uh, go on to develop her television programs including the most well-known, The French Chef, which premiered in 1963. And she was really credited with bringing French cuisine to America at a time when Americans were really focused on convenience. Things like canned food, mm. those microwave meals that you put in and you just sit around the telly and eat them. So she was more about, no, like, she was an advocate for fresh produce, experimenting in the kitchen, uh, which she did. Uh, she really did. And the filmmakers weave together this archival footage of her, uh, much of it from the, her TV show, The French Chef, which is it's hilarious uh, because a lot of the time they only had one shot to get this right. Mm. She would be making mistakes like flipping crepes and they would just land awkwardly or she'd cut her finger on TV and it would bleed. And she kind of just had to keep going but I was so impressed with the amount of footage they were able to to get for this including the uh, letters that she sent to her family mm. and friends and her husband uh, which you can really see she was a bit of a she had humor to her one of the things I really liked about it was that uh, you know obviously because of the era where they were um, filming the show 
the footage wasn't that great of her, the yes. things she was cooking. So they recreated the dishes in like high definition. Yeah, and alongside it, which, yeah. was, which was great. And it was very close up. So you didn't, you just saw the hands of the person that was doing the cooking. Yeah. Um, so it was really good. Uh, but you're right, the, the, the letters, like reading the letters, because that's kind of a lost art. I mm-hmm. mean, if you were to do that for, say, a chef today, they'd probably be like, you know, reading out their tweets or something like yeah. that. But the, uh, that was, it was really good to, to you know, not only see what she did professionally and what she did in front of the camera, but what her life was like, you know, behind the, the camera kind of thing. And, um, yeah, it was a very interesting human story. Uh, and the, as I said, the only uh, thing I really knew about Julia Charles was that uh, Dan Aykroyd sketch. But <laughs> Kat reminded me that uh, there was a movie out in uh, 2009. Oh, of course. Um with Meryl Streep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So it was Julie and Julia. So uh, Meryl Streep and Amy Adams. Um, so Amy Adams plays a, a blogger in the present day uh, and her, her like parallels between her and, and Julia Child. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was – I actually want to go back and watch that now. I do too. Mm. I've never seen it, but I do remember uh, – I know the cover. It's got two faces on it and, yeah. How cool is that? But, yeah, no, I really loved the footage they managed to get for this and seeing people kind of behind this kitchenette that they had when they were filming scenes and they're passing her things, mm. uh, trying not to get it on camera. But there was also a bit of a rivalry between her and a friend of hers who helped her write that um, – well, what was the book? The cookbook? Uh, the um – French cuisine. The French. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, I just had it out before, but she had, yeah, she was working. And it took her about 12 years to, to write this book because it wasn't overly popular and a lot of publishers and editors were like, well, no one needs a cookbook because women aren't really into to cooking. It's called The Mastering uh, the Art of French Cooking. My apologies. Yeah, so she had a friend who helped her with that in France and I think the two kind of um, – Julia was this very – uh, on camera kind of persona she really enjoyed being in front of it and and the fame that came with it and I think it might have I don't know it might have changed her a little bit whereas her friend kind of stepped out of out of that mm, and mm. yeah didn't quite get as recognized as, as Julia but I think Julia just took the opportunities that she had and and, and ran with them. Well, because she didn't actually start getting famous until she was until she was fifty. That's right. Which is kind of good because, like, uh, I'm forty five, so that means I've got five more years. You still got a chance to be famous. Yeah. So do I. We both do. How cool is that? Yep. Hey, there you go. That's given me some some things to think about. Exactly. Not that I know what I would be famous for. I always thought I'd end up as a meme somehow. As which I'm meme. quite terrified. You know how sometimes they take pictures of people yep. pulling strange faces or doing strange, bizarre things and then they make memes out of them? Yeah, that's how I thought or still think it might happen. So I'm really careful about what's going on around me. Hmm? Don't take photos. Put your phone down, <laughs> sir. So what would you be famous for? I think you would be famous for something to do with Marvel because I think you you know so much about that. Um, I, I'm not, not entirely sure. Uh, I, I hope I get famous for saving something, you know. Oh, I like that you insp- – yeah, aspire to that, saving yeah. someone. You run out and – make sure someone doesn't get hit by a car or something mm. like that. Yeah. Do you know, because I do um, uh, my, my plasma donations, I, mm. I, I generally do one uh, one a month. You could do two plasma donations a month because you could do them every two weeks here in Australia. Yes. But I found out from in America, like apparently they can give plasma uh, every two days or, or – 
Like something seems dangerous about that. Although you're, I guess it's being replenished. Something seems really bizarre. It does seem like you, you need a bit of recovery time yeah. after you've, you've given plasma, and so that, yeah, they can give it every couple of days. I think two two times a week is probably the maximum they're allowed to, but they get paid for the plasma. That's a really scary thing because that means oh. that some people may be using it as a source of income, income. which is a scary thing. Like yo, know, it's yeah, very very uh, weird. But uh, the other thing uh, I'm doing at the moment uh, is I'm doing Movember. Uh, because that's, you know, uh, men's health is one of those things where uh, men don't talk about it. And mm-hmm. you may think that, I, that I'm being stereotypical, but like literally I know so many men who have uh, health issues and you're like, go and see the doctor. And they're like, no, 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 no. And it's like <laughs> they really just, you know, don't want to go take uh, ownership of the, their health. Um, and, you know, particularly like mental health as well. Exactly. Like, um, so uh, Movember is a great time of year to remind men that you've got to take ownership of your health if something's not right even if it's embarrassing even if it means a finger up the bum or somebody you know has to have a look at your tackle you gotta go to the doctors and get these things sorted because uh, if you don't they'll get worse and you'll die so uh, yeah um so but the, that's a my long way of saying i'm doing movember um if you have any spare money uh, to contribute towards my uh, Movember thing, I don't. I'm not asking for <laughs> heaps of money. If you got like two bucks or whatever, anything helps. Every little bit helps. Uh, just to to go towards uh, you know me, uh, men's health um, uh, charities. So uh, I'll, I'll put a, a post up on the uh, on the unscripted Facebook page. Yes. Uh, you can see uh, I've gone for like this really big kind of uh, Merv Griffin. Uh, is it Merv Griffin or Merv Griffith? Uh, the the, the, yeah, the Merv, the guy the, the the cricket player uh, yeah. for our Australian always the the Merv is it Merv, Merv Hughes. Merv Hughes. Merv Hughes, sorry. Uh, yeah, the, the cricket player Merv Hughes. Uh, I've gone for that big kind of mo. Uh, and for and by, uh, the American listeners, uh, it's more of a Hulk Hogan kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, it, it's quite uh, quite substantial, actually, isn't it? It's quite good, I think. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, can Merv see it. Hughes, it's yeah. shaping out well. It's shaping out well. Yes. Yeah. Um, that, it's a great cause, Movember. It's a great cause. I think it's fantastic. And I, every year I see so many more people getting involved in it, mm. which, is, which is great. And I think it's such a – you know, traditionally you would just give money for these kind of things, but it's great that you can actually see something physical ha- like <laughs> happening. You can, you know, and it's a bit of a laugh as well, particularly if you can't grow a mo like <laughs> me, but that's okay. Well, that's a good thing because you're, you're a girl. <laughs> And if you grew a mo, that would be strange. That would be troubling. Yeah. Uh, not to say that women can't have mo's if they want them. No, it's no, no. Just, um, yes. I, yeah, growing one would be difficult for me. So. Yeah. yeah. But the, I would like to get involved. Each there. Well, you can do you can do like a grow a mo, or you can do like a, another challenge, like uh, walking or running or something like that. Or grow out your leg hairs, maybe. Possibly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I, I'm doing the uh, the walking as well because my uh, Apple Watch said uh, for me to walk 142 kilometres in uh, November. So I, oh, oh well, I'll just throw that on there as well. I'll, I'll do both. Tack it on. Why yeah. not? Giving blood, doing November, taking a walk. Ah, all over it. Yeah. Fantastic to see. Uh, I do. Is November an American thing as well? Is it very I think Australian? It's, I think it's a worldwide thing. Ah. Yeah. Oh yeah, I think because we've seen celebrities do it here and there as well. You're listening to Unscripted, the film show. Lewis has taken his mo. 
photo and he's probably going to keep taking them as he progresses through the month of Movember, uh, which is fantastic. So please donate if you can. Every little bit counts. Jump onto uh, Unscripted, the film show, the Facebook page, uh, maybe in a few moments before uh, so we can get a chance to get that up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but while we're, we're plugging Unscripted, the film show, I should mention too that if you do like what you heard today or hearing today uh, the gentleman of popculture.com is the place to go you'll find all the well i'm not going to say all the past episodes of unscripted because i have missed a few i'm supposed to put them up every week and sometimes i forget and unfortunately what happens is every week when we come in and do a new show it records over the old archives so unless i download it to my computer it's gone Long story short, there's plenty of episodes there for you to go back and listen to, though, as well. Uh, You've also got Tangent City, uh, in which the latest episode was a spooky episode uh, for Halloween. So we talked about uh, not necessarily scary films, but films that were spooky uh, or set at Halloween, uh, films that we like to watch over Halloween. I think we covered off on quite a few, which was great, so... That is up now, as well as past episodes of Tangent City in which we take a uh, pop culture reference and then just go to town and talk about it. Mm-hmm. We don't actually go to town. <laughs> we, we don't leave where we're going, no. but we talk about it and, and we often get off track. Although I do believe in our Halloween episode, we got straight to the point, uh, which is a first for us. We did, yes. Straight to it. It was weird. It was strange. It the didn't s- quite feel like a Tangent City episode. Yeah, the second one we did yes. uh, w- was okay because the second one we just uh, did it off the cuff. So We did. And I think we had also had potentially a beverage <laughs> at that point too. Uh, so we do talk a little bit more after that. And then, of course, Diz Down Under for all your Disney news. Uh, you will find episodes there as well. So, yeah, if you do like listening to us talk which I'm sure some of you do, then you can go there and check it out. Did, did you do anything for uh, Halloween this uh, this year? I didn't. I had a, There were a few bits and pieces happening, uh, like little parties and dress-ups and things like that, but I decided not to get involved. Uh, I did anticipate that I would get some trick-or-treaters, though, and I didn't get any. None. So, which was good because I forgot to get some candy. <laughs> uh, and I didn't want to be that person where people knock and they're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so trick or treat. Trick it is then. Trick it is. Uh, so yeah, I mean, uh, I like the idea of Halloween. I'm not against it mm-hmm. at all. And I just, but I just don't think it's a big thing. It doesn't really take off. There's lots of, I think, teens like to get involved where they can go to parties and dress up. But yeah, I don't know. We uh, we went to uh, my mate uh, mates Jason and Jade's, um, and because they've got two kids there and, and Astrid, um, yes. and uh, they invited their mates over for a party. So there's all these kids oh, there. Cool. But they, like, seriously, the, this place is known for the, the trick-or-treating and stuff. And uh, they had three inflatable ghosts out the front that were – one was 10 foot tall and two were 12 feet tall. Um, and they had this little crawling um, zombie thing on the ground. And there's another um, uh, one where it was this um, – uh, like this – gothic kind of girl that was standing about you know three feet high Mm. and uh her face 
generally it was just blackened out. You couldn't see her face. But then it would flip around and she had this like really gnarled face with bright red uh, glowing eyes. That's creepy. So they really sound like they get into Halloween yeah. and they take decorations to the next level. I think it would be great to actually experience Halloween in, in other countries that really follow it, you know, America and, and places like that. So I think it would be great to, to, to see it. But... um. Yeah, I don't know. Lots of creepy stuff tends to happen around Halloween. Mm. Isn't that when the veil between, or is that just something that I got from a movie? Probably. <laughs> the veil between Earth and the paranormal is at its weakest. I think I got that from uh, a terrible movie one day. So I do like watching horror films though. Uh, so next time I'll uh, get the horror films out and do those. Excellent. But there you go. It's almost Christmas now, so we'll, I'm sure, I have no doubt we'll talk about Christmas films uh, I know. on a, a soon-to-be Tangent City episode. I've, I've taken down the, the vampire Mickey and I've put up the Santa Mickey, so I've officially rung in the uh, the, the Christmas cheer. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, it's really cool. Like, the, the idea that next month is December yeah. and uh, and then we get to have, like, holidays and uh, and it's going to be awesome. It's going to be it's gonna be very good. And the streaming service are being flooded with Christmas films at the moment, like really terrible Christmas films, those Hallmark-styled Christmas films. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you like, I don't like to watch them, but I do have some friends that enjoy getting together and watching them uh, and making fun of them. Uh, well, I'm making fun of them. <laughs> they're watching them. So if you do like to do that, then there's heaps uh, streaming. Now on every one of those streaming services... Uh, I don't know if there's a big Christmas release though this year. Some years there's a big Christmas film that that comes out because I remember last year there was that or potentially the year before there was that Happiest Season which starred Kristen Stewart Mm. which was a great Christmas film. It had Dan Levy in it as well and uh, yeah, centred around uh, Kristen Stewart's character who was going to meet her girlfriend's parents at Christmas for the first time and things go a little bit south but a really good film and an impressive role for Kristen Stewart who most people will know from the Twilight Saga and yeah, as we know not the greatest uh, set of films but in recent years we've enjoyed Kristen Stewart. She's stuff. really good. Like, oh, I, Diana! I'm sure yeah. is due out soon. I think. I think that just people like uh, when you've seen an actor uh, in one role and you just like say, "Oh, I hate them because of that that one role." It's kind. Of, they are an actor. They they are able to to have a bit more uh, you know range than just that one role. So yeah, I, I think she's great. Really, really do enjoy her her work. I do too, and I think yes, I, I believe. November is the release date. Actually, the 5th of November. So uh, tomorrow is the release date for Diana, probably in the USA. So we'll probably get a later release for that one. But I do hope to see it on the big screen, which would be good. But, yeah, she's done some great stuff recently. Charlie's Angels, uh, she was probably the highlight of the film, I think, for that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Her comedy was was spot on. And then, yeah, she did that film Underwater, which was uh, quite interesting. Uh, and oh, there was another one she did too. But yes, I think she's great. So it'd be great to see her in that film. Uh, quite a challenging role to to play mm. Diana, and I think there's probably going to be a lot of mixed opinions about it too. Well, but 
particularly considering there was already a version of Diana played in The Crown. Yes. And that was kind of uh, really well, uh, you know, really, really well received. Mm-hmm. Uh, she won awards and stuff for that that role. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes because it's not a, an easy role um, when it's such a, an iconic kind of uh, character that you're going to be portraying. Yeah, I wonder if she had any trepidation accepting the role or how it all come about just because, yeah, I, I would be incredibly reluctant if I was an actor to take on such a, a big role mm, in mm. which a lot of people are going to be watching and, yeah, there's going to be a lot of opinions. But, hey, we'll have to wait and see how that one goes and, and hope that it's a good film. So. Ah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it will be. Oh, yeah, that Sopranos film came out as well this week. The... Um uh, what I can't remember what it's called. Um, ah, oh, the oops, I just got Chris Pratt to voice Garfield. Sorry, I just that <laughs> as I was walking, um, going through this, trying to find out the Sopranos film. Sopranos, ah, oh, the Many Saints of Newark, uh, yes. which is a film that unfortunately I think we got an invite to, but it's screening tonight mm. and both of us are obviously here screen right now r- right now yeah. but it looks great it's a prequel to the soprano and it actually stars uh, james gandolfini's son michael gandolfini as a young tony soprano that's very cool which is cool i i did notice a few people saying oh he looks like <laughs> and like james gandolfini but that's because it's his son so uh there you go i think it's interesting um i don't know really where this picks up if it picks up being a prequel, mm. it, it probably picks up straight from it. But, uh, yeah, there you go. So I think there will be a lot of people uh, going along to see that one too. I've never seen The Sopranos. I know. I was mm. gonna. I was trying to act like I'm cool and I have, <laughs> but I haven't actually seen The Sopranos. But everyone tells me to watch it. Yeah, I, I, I get told that as well. But uh, maybe one day I will do it. It's just the, we, we're stuck in this era of just so much stuff to watch. Yeah. Although, admittedly, recently Kat and I have gone back to re-watching The Good Place and just like marathoning through it. I think it will be done in a few days. So uh, still days. such a good show. Ah. If you haven't seen it, you should check it out. There you go. Oh, so for fans who watched The Sopranos from week to week when it originally aired, the cut to black at the end was so abrupt that many people thought there was something wrong with their television. <laughs> so it must have, the finale must have ended uh, very abruptly and caused a lot of confusion. So, yes, there you go. Never seen it, but maybe I should. Mm-hmm. There's quite a few seasons of The Sopranos, though, isn't there? Uh, it's quite old. Well, early 2000s? Um, yeah, I think, I think so, yeah. Sopranos. We like to do our research while we're on the show. Uh, I, saw, I saw some news today. Which, six seasons, uh, 1999. There you go. Awesome. Uh, I saw some news today uh, that's uh, kind of like crosses between uh, Unscripted and Diz Down Under. Uh, there's going to be a new Snow White film. I did see that. You saw that? that? Gal Gadot yeah. is playing the villain though. Yes. Yeah, cast as the evil queen. Yeah, which seems – she just seems so lovely. I just can't imagine her being a villainous character. Again, range. Range, <laughs> yes. I think she's a great, so she probably does have that range. So. Yeah. Another so, live action, though, because they've done a few. They've not all been successful. That is true. Uh, they've all kind of made money, but uh, I, I guess uh, critically uh, not as not all as uh, well accepted. That's true. One, one of the things, though, is because it takes um, – 
it's a similar thing like with the Marvel films where you've got Venom and Michael Morbius and the Michael the uh, the Morbius trailer dropped with Jared Leto earlier in the week. When you've got these villains who their core purpose to, of existence is to fight Spider-Man and you don't have Spider-Man in the movie, then you've got to make the villains kind of heroic or anti-villains, um, which, yeah, it's kind of weird, but that's the same thing that Disney did. I mean, you look at Maleficent and Maleficent was kind of redeemed yes. like in the Maleficent movies. Uh, you look at... Um, uh, um, I can't believe I'm just blanking. Um, <laughs> if if you look at uh, Cruella de Vil, yes, yeah, the like she was a, a full on villain wanting to kill puppies to make a coat in the animated feature, but the um, Emma Stone version, she's kind of like a bit bad but a bit good, and so yeah, it's kind. Of, is she going to become that Cruella who's skinning puppies or not? I wonder. Yeah, I wonder if it's going to be one of those redeeming antiheroes, as you suggest. But we'll have to wait to find out. Uh, but we are almost finished for another week. But we, well, I'll be back next week yes. uh, along with Rachel, who is coming in because you are going to see uh, the James Bond film. That's right, No Time to Die. Uh, Which is great. So I'll I'll be back next week and, yeah, Rachel will be here too and we'll be talking about more stuff. Uh, There you go. Sounds good. Have a good weekend, everybody. Bye. Bye. This podcast has been brought to you by the gentlemen of pop culture.